0: Take that, rock and roll, run! Well, I'm afraid it's here to stay.
1: Good afternoon. You are listening to the Living Writers Show. My name is T. Hetzel, and today I'm sitting here in the studio with Sean Norton. Hello. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, T. Thanks for being here today to kick off the, the first show of um, the year, the fall term. The fall term. And all else follows after, fall, after the fall. <laughs>
2: <laughs> as history goes.
1: <laughs> as we read and as we'll learn in classrooms. Around campus, yeah.
2: There's certainly a ton more people on campus now, which is slightly disorienting.
1: It's a buzz, though. Yeah, it's yeah, a buzz. It's nice. <laughs> well, Sean Norton, um, let me read read your bio as way of introduction. Although, um, since uh, you live in Ann Arbor, I do you,
2: live in Ann Arbor, and yes. you
1: are part of the creative writing program here at the University of Michigan. It's fine fine Institution. It
2: is a f- yes. I work at the Fine Institution right across the street in the English <laughs> department. Um, I'm the assistant director for the MFA program in creative writing. So.
1: And uh, but you're here today um, as a poet,
2: as a poet of sorts, yes, <laughs> <laughs>
1: as just a bona fide, genuine poet. And now I shall read um, from your from your book, Bad with Faces, um, published by Red Morning Press. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Sean Norton received his MFA in poetry from the University of Michigan and his BA from the University of Oregon after a couple of false starts at other schools. That's correct. (laughs) Maybe we'll hear about that a little bit more. Um, it says you've taught poetry fiction and essay writing at the university. Um, and let's see. And I just wanted to also note where your poems have, have recently appeared in Phoebe, the Southern Review and Poor Mojo's Almanac—that's a great name.
2: It is good. It is good. It's <laughs> run by. Uh, Did you make that up? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, Fritz Swanson made that up. He's oh. um, he's a lecturer at the U of M, and he runs that uh, literary journal online. Oh,
1: that's wonderful. Yeah, you should check it out. I should, and I should even know about it. I'm sorry about that, Fritz. I'm I'm not well read, but I'm getting there. So soon to check out everybody Poor Mojo's Almanac online at a computer near you. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so back to your biography, Sean Norton. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what were these false starts? Do you want to tell us just a little brief background about where you're from, what you're all about? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the worst question ever. I like to start with.
2: Let's see. Yeah. I'll, yes. Um, I'm from originally Rochester, New York, the home of Eastman Kodak and uh, click 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 for the camera noise and other fine things. Um, it was the homestead of uh, Frederick Douglass. It's my favorite Rochesterian there. And, um, but yeah, so I went to school at Boston University for a year. And then I checked out and went to um, Syracuse University for a bit and then finished at University of Oregon. When you say under.
1: checked out, did that mean you, <laughs> that what is like it? It sounds like a kind Tune of a harsh term. Dim- yeah. Tune- <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> you I, checked out? I
2: stopped going. Yeah, I moved down to... Um, uh, Richmond, Virginia, and I was a waiter in a sort of bizarre—sorry <clears throat> to say that—but bizarre um, uh, Beatles memorabilia sort of pub.
1: Was there a, a uniform?
2: No, there's no uniform. But I did serve Ray Davies French onion soup once. Ray Davies of the Kinks. So it's a—it's not a uniform, but it's a badge of pride, I suppose. Yes. That I wear.
1: Yeah, Yes. <laughs> Ray Davies. Mm-hmm. I wonder where he is now.
2: He's probably listening. <laughs>
1: Hello, Ray, yeah, <laughs> and you? everyone out there in radio land.
2: But um, yeah, so I moved around the country a bunch. Um, and then I ended up finishing my undergrad at University of Oregon. Then I moved up to Seattle, a fine city that I believe you're acquainted with. And uh, then I moved to Chicago, and then I got into graduate school here, so I moved to Ann Arbor. So kind of circuitous trip around the U.S.
1: Yes. And... Um Maybe you'll read one of the Seattle poems later, the one with the whale, or sure, the,
2: yeah, or yeah, I'd be happy to, be. yeah,
1: um, or whatever you want. What I'd like you to read, what you'd like today, okay, because um, yeah. we've got your we've got your book Bad with Faces here, mm-hmm. and we also have um, the Oleander Review, which is just, just out, just published, yeah, and new, yeah, hot off the press, right? The undergraduate run literary review at the University of Michigan, so issue one, fall 2007, mm-hmm. and you're in it.
2: I am in it, yeah. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of it. Otherwise, too, just it's a it's a it's a handsome looking journal that they've come up with here um, at the U of M undergrad. Sarah Sala, and if you want to check the other, or I will check the other editor, uh, um, quickly.
1: Oh. oh, well, that's and so and and Sarah Griffith, Sarah Griffith, oh, no. and they're two and Amanda
2: Nichols. Oh, okay. So there's a bunch of people that I'm not naming that I'm seeing their names right now, but those are some of the uh, many fine the suspects. Yeah, many
1: fine people. And Keith Taylor is—he's is the faculty advisor. Yeah, um, Keith
2: Taylor, who's the who runs the uh, the undergraduate program in creative writing at the U of M, is the faculty advisor and for poet that, for that joint Keith yeah. Taylor, um, great poet. Yeah,
1: look at poets. Poets out in the world. Poets attack in a good way. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling a little giddy today with the coffee. So hopefully oh, that's all right. hopefully it won't be too unbearable. And um, and so back to your, uh, when just really like, this is also sort of a random question, but mm-hmm. do you remember when you first felt like a writer, when you felt your, your maybe your first hmm. poem? Cause that's come up for a couple of people who are sitting in right. um, the seat that you are now,
2: Sean, it's, it's the hot seat. Um, <laughs> uh, First poem? No, I I mean I remember trying to write uh um poems in elementary school. Um I remember trying to start a novel um when I was really young after reading a spin-off novel about Han Solo after Star Wars came out. Actually I just found I just found the copy of that book at my parents' house when I was visiting.
1: <laughs> a spin off novel.
2: I think it's called Han Solo at Star's End. And I have the the hardback copy it in my apartment.
1: Was he as rugged and, and, but in that charming way oh, yeah, as he yeah, was yeah. in the, the real, the star Wars, he was pretty much. And that's what inspired you. So was your novel <laughs> I don't, I don't also if, starring know. Han Solo? Or I don't, was it... I
2: don't remember. I remember it was on mead paper and it was written in pencil. Um, and I got about ten pages in and then I thought this is much too hard.
1: So that does sound like a birth of a poet. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and and now back to the haiku. Right, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well the, yeah, there's a lot of um economy in poetry for sure. And uh maybe sloth on my part, but um yeah. But yeah. So that, that that's probably early writing memories. Um Yeah, that alongside of playing percussion as a kid, I did that as a kid and that seemed um into. i think of rhythms a lot when i write poetry so i don't think that ever exactly went away as sort of a genesis of um of poems for me like that overlap
1: so would you say you're a beat poet (laughs) (laughs) thanks for laughing (laughs) (laughs) that was totally cheese
2: ball that's right i like it yes that's exactly what i am
1: as you're sitting here at the end of summer in your black turtleneck right Mm -hmm.
2: i thought i could bring my bongos (laughs) no one would mind
1: no, it's good. It's good. Well, we're going to be talking about music because it it does play a big uh, a big part in your life. Oh, the, it do, yeah, like, yeah, it does. And yeah. presently, it's it's from it's it's not really the per- percussion right now. No, I it's,
2: yeah, I take I take piano lessons, uh, adult piano lessons. Well, I've been told not to use that. Yeah, phrase. why do
1: you why do you qualify it that way, <laughs> adult? Because it's either something that sounds lascivious or
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I apologize. I apologize <laughs> no. to Ray McDaniel if he's listening because he the first person to tell me never to say that. But um <laughs> uh yeah I take piano lessons as an adult and um but uh yeah it's it's great fun. Um and I, I take lessons from this guy Brian de Blasio in town who uh is in a jazz band called Los Gatos, the place of the firefly a lot. Um and yeah it's taught me a ton I think about revision for poetry. Um because I don't think I ever really took revision. I I say this with um A little bit of shame since I did teach intro to creative writing, but I didn't, I don't think I took revision as seriously as I do now for years and years. Um, And somehow that had something to do with um, getting involved with playing piano. I haven't exactly figured it out yet, but sort of coming up with improvised stuff and then trying to shape it and have it be um, divorced from, you know, verbal associations or literary references and that sort of thing allowed me to get back into um, my own poetry and right. be a little bit more loose with revision and treat it more of a creative process than just shaping up um, something that might or might not be working or something like that.
1: And and so in that way, is it, um, is it that you're finding more more space or there's more movement as you're coming to the poem I'm trying to imagine it because with the, right. the the composing for the piano mm-hmm. you're
2: it's, well it's more abstract in a lot of ways right for the piano for the piano and it, yet, yet it has um, narrative elements it has lyrical elements and so
1: and so the narrative would be the melody that runs through it or or, um, or just
2: sort of just the movement of the different sections when you listen to a piece of music it's just sort of a story occurs to the imagination in some ways you know Um, Or that might, I don't know, that might inspire some sort of lyric or content or something like that for for the music you're listening to. But I think for for my own poems, it's more, I felt more of a liberty to make narrative more fractured in the newer poems that I'm writing. Um, And also to sort of work with narrative and rhetoric, almost like I was loosely painting them or improvising with thoughts
1: and some of and and on a on a simple level that means even sort of losing some of the punctuation within lines it could it and, could yeah and using repetition
2: right in yeah that's a good yeah that's a, that that could be one element for sure and i think it has been um maybe another element would be um sort of movement in time and space um that seems a little bit more disjointed um and sort of a little bit freer i guess mm
1: hmm Yes, yeah, so that I noticed that in reading, and you you have a you have new poems, new new work to read for us. Sure, right? Yes. Um. So um. So let's see. Well, why don't why don't we have one? Why don't we we don't we <laughs> Why don't we have a poem? Sure. Why don't yeah. we, <laughs> Do you have one um, to suggest? Or oh yeah, let's see. Well, um, hmm. Should we actually? That's the one that you. Have because I would like to talk a little bit about nature as a presence in your poems. I oh, okay, hope that's yeah, cool. Okay, because I think it's kind of interesting that you come from Rochester, mm-hmm. and that doesn't seem like a natural. Um,
2: well, there is a small waterfall in Rochester. Oh, there are. Then but, I stand corrected. I'm but, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, it's not what one thinks of when they think of the great outdoors. And yeah, it's a it's a factory town. And so, yeah.
1: and, and so maybe and, and I'm thinking maybe some of the nature came from from spirituality too which um, yeah certainly talk certainly about yeah
2: yeah that'd be great so I'll read this poem it's called Lingam mm-hmm. um, and uh, I got a little nervous that I didn't know exactly all the definitions of Lingam so I hit the internet today um, oh great okay but um, in general um, you know it comes from um, it comes from like Hindu mythology or, or Hindu religion and Lingam can just be an abstract image of a god um, and a lot of times it's associated with um, Shiva so like the God of dissolution and sort of the tripartite sort of creation, preservation and dissolution, but it, it's often just
1: creation and destruction and yeah, dissolution. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And
2: so, um, but often it can just be a very abstract symbol. Um, I was out in LA this summer and there's this great, uh, I'm not plugging it just cause it's my last name, but the Norton Simon museum is this great small museum in, in Pasadena, I think, or Burbank, I don't know. And, um, uh
1: it's you know you have to go find someone named simon now and have your picture taken exactly right yeah it's a moral imperative
2: as we walk the the sculpture garden but they had a really nice uh asian art (laughs) exhibit or skip yeah and they had some some uh shiva lingam sculptures Mm. and they're really cool to look at um so this is this is sort of uh, finding one of those abstractly in nature. So it involves nature, like you said.
1: And this was, well, actually, do you mind if we, um, we come back and we lead right in with the poem, Sean? That and sounds we'll, fine, yeah. So we'll take a short break and um, maybe have some more piano. Um, we'll be right back. back. If you're just tuning in with us, you're listening to the Living Writer show and today, um Sean Norton is is in the studio uh here to read some poems. Um and hey. and hey, welcome back Sean. thanks to you. <laughs> Uh and so that what what did we just hear? That that music that we just I wish
2: I could remember the exact title, but it's Beethoven and it's and we were just talking before the break about that I take piano lessons. Um, and it's what I should have been practicing this week for my piano lesson, which is tonight. So, I thought it'd be good to at least listen to it.
1: So you could have it running through your your mind. As yeah. Sort of. You know, there's something to be said about the subconscious at work.
2: That's true. Actually, I just read a study, t uh, or heard of a study where people who were practicing piano but only mentally that they actually fused those same same uh, synapses in their brain that. Um, People who were physically practicing piano
1: did they have to they had to move their fingers though in order to do no, this, it was or just, they just it was just thought th- it was really? just picturing
2: doing it, yeah,
1: and yet when they sat down at the piano, it flowed no, as if I, th- they'd no been I think no, I think they were
2: studying they were actually studying brain patterns, so mm-hmm. Like that part of the brain was as active. I don't know if they could then sit down at the piano and play the piece. And certainly I don't know. Because that
1: would seem important. Yes. <laughs> I mean be if awesome. you're spending all that time yeah thinking about it. Now I've just subverted what I was trying to like calm well, you with, saying that you were your subconscious <laughs> was helping you for your your lesson tonight. That's a good point. Well
2: No, maybe I subverted it. I don't know. But <laughs> we'll see what they say later in a later study about trying to read a poem while you subconsciously remember the piano piece. But um So, this poem's called Lingam, and I'll just read it. Thank you. That lone egret on the shore is as bright as the astral world, where the ash on the ascetic god turns more bluish white than Himalayan snow. On the Huron River, the light and air don't blind or cause difficulty breathing. Edge a little forward, retrograde. An altar on the surface comes clear where the river weeds tangle. A skein goes overhead. A lone kayaker stops to ask me the kind of bird. At our closeness, it is impossibly undisturbed, its neck extended, the shape of a shivalingum, unmoving, abstract in form, nearly fake, almost artifice, the god. Half of the human exists outside of this world, consumed with what's unmanifest in motion. Twenty minutes and counting before the canoe is due back at the livery, though couple's paddle in behind me. I've lived partway free from every oddity and misfortune if all of this is true. I'm sober but a little sick. Canoeing has proved too much a day after a night of drinking. You can have a kayak. It's not really my style. The conversation went quickly with the teenager. More absence. The silver seat at the front left open to my to set my sights on, squint past for navigation. Alone, out by the bend where the October trees turned, I'd smoked expecting the river to put it out in solitude. Something waited, unmolested by life extinguishing life. So with the egret I practice unmoving, slowly being taken in. Weeks become vectors, a trajectory of obligations. I keep coming, and no matter what, I scare the bird. Its modular neck tucks and crap streams down on the opaque water. Nature's capacity for disappointment. It's the flip side of beauty that keeps us at the mechanism of grasping. The god is in hiding. It disencumbers itself, disabuses itself of the shore. You lived your life so far in a disguise, partly sorrowing. Now I come to you in a disguise, and I fly away.
1: Thank you, Sean. Thanks, T. Thank you for reading that. Um, so so that sort of, that comes back a little bit to what we were also mentioning before the break. Um, the The element of spirituality that infuses your work and and your and your life um, it seems is it fair to say that it's it's um takes up sort of a primary position in, Yeah, that's fair to say.
2: That's fair to say. Yeah. Um well should we talk about that alongside nature or is that or we want
1: Well, um well do you think that that was that was part of what do you it, think it's linked or do yeah, you think, think it's Yeah, I think
2: that's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, that I think I think it is linked. Um I actually thought about this poem before coming here today. And um, and some other poems I'm trying to write now that also feel like, although not formulaic in any way, they have some of the same components of, here's sort of a philosophical idea, here's being out in nature, here's sort of the foibling or foibles of a persona sort of wandering through a scene, you know? And um, it sort of occurred to me that it wasn't exactly epiphantic, like it's not someone goes out and everything comes together and there's an epiphany, but it's more like, um, there's some principle at work that's noticed, and nature sort of um, illustrates it. A- illustrates it, it acts it out. Those. Yeah, oh. yeah. So like, sort of the sort of play of nature, and um,
1: then the human is placed. You're saying, or th- the self is at the end. Is that yeah, the or is, or that's or is emerging? it emerging? Yeah,
2: or is it involved with it in, in some way? Um, or there's there's you know, I, ideally, I think with involvement in nature or also in spirituality, there there would be this and beauty. Um, Actually, I have a quote that I can read that oh, yeah. that's inspiring in a second. But um, like beauty, there's this element of like self-forgetting. Um, so I, ideally, that's what's ha- happening to the self. And in that poem, that seems to be where that one ended up, where um, the voice in the end is actually um, the sort of unembodied um, voice of the God or the notion of God speaking back to but the just, self. Yeah. It, it,
1: C- uh, hence n- mentioning the the disguise
2: and right, the, yeah. the flying right yeah away right yeah so it's kind of like you know that's kind of how we live we just have these glimpses of things and then um, we're left to to make sense of them or interpret them but um, but I guess you know to get back before you, before break too you said like growing up in Rochester and involvement in nature and did that come via um, uh, spirituality I think it did I think it did you know. Um, because there's so much, um, there's so much, uh, art that is relative to both. You know, there's like, there's like Chinese scholars rocks that I love to look at that are, are kind of, you know, are a natural form, but they're, um, symbolic or representational of some sort of spiritual idea or philosophical idea rather. And, um,
1: and Chinese rocks, is that something that, um, that you could have like that you would have a few rocks or stones like one of the sand gardens or is that no it's more it's 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 it's, it's, yeah it's it's
2: actually a found art in China like sort of a, a very old found art and um I remember when I lived in Seattle which also um
1: I didn't mean to reduce it to something like a pet rock or no, something. No. That was like <laughs> no. I was I
2: was just thinking that would be awesome to have one, but um, it's like a two hundred turtle or something that, that we have a picture of right here on the table. That we'll,
1: sort of a talisman of sorts. We'll right? talk. Yeah, about, we'll come back to we'll you. come
2: back to the two hundred turtle. But um, but yeah, I mean, living in Seattle, I think, and living out on the West Coast influenced me a great deal writing about nature. Um,
1: and it seems like the, a, a part of spirituality is the art of noticing and being, right? right as a part of the soul, doesn't it? And:
2: That's a really good point, T. Yeah, I think it is. Like I mean I think there, there's no, it's no coincidence that in all religious or spiritual traditions, there's this emphasis on being <clears throat> immediately in the present and being aware of exactly the present moment um, as the eternal now or as eternity. Um,
1: And it seems like it would be more challenging, almost like uh, if you were to try to have that, bring that to the city life as well, to an urban setting, that would be more of a cacophony. It's almost, but there's got to be, that has to be part of the noticing as well, doesn't it? Oh, certainly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that, I don't think that the the city environment's excluded from that in any way, but uh, yeah um sometimes it's easier in nature because you you get to you get to make some sort of retreat from your normal life um and you know walking along a river is somewhat of a, a traditionally sort of uh interior life kind of experience um so
1: do you work in any of the eastern forms like the the haibun or the like more or haiku or any oh yeah that's interesting the-
2: actually i don't i don't um nor can i like we were talking about music earlier too and now we're talking about spirituality. i can't i can't write like odes to things that i really care about or that i that i that i really love like uh i find um and what's interesting is um you know this poem it's not uh like i personally um practice something where i worship um like a Lingam or or follow that particular practice but but there's a way in which um nature overlapped in a way that still lended it itself to things I do think about. Um, and, and, uh, and it was easy. I mean, it's like, you know, that great uh, Emily Dickinson, like tell all truth, but tell it slant success and circuit lies or whatever it is. Um, there's a way in which I can't write directly about certain subjects, but I can um, get at ideas from those subjects or my own meditation practice or something like that um, and have that infuse poems
1: i can i i feel like I can see see that in the poems like oh, even, okay. even if you do if you choose to read the the Seattle poem with the whale I feel like it's it comes through with that as well right yeah the, the nature. did did you want to to read the the beauty uh the oh yeah the, i forgot the, about the, that Thanks, too. Uh, nice as Sean was reaching for a drink of water <laughs> i i stop him with this well there's the whole this idea there's of this, reading
2: there's this, <laughs> more words um <laughs> there's this great art critic um and he, I think he was a curator at the Boston Museum of Fine Art for the Asian art um, section of that museum uh, at some point during the 20th century. And uh, his name is Ananda K. Kumaraswamy and he was a deep influence on John Cage, I found out, and John Cage's notions of sort of pulling Western music away from certain levels of control um, and moving it more towards a um, contemplative state. And so, oh, that's really. but you know, I woke up this morning, I thought she said nothing to talk about on the radio. So I grabbed a book from the shelf thinking that at least something smart will be read. Um, but here's, here's a cool quote that I just opened up to this morning. Um, somewhat randomly. Um, the vision of beauty is spontaneous in just the same sense as the inward light of the lover. It is a state of grace that cannot be achieved by deliberate effort, though perhaps we can remove hindrances to its manifestation For there are many witnesses that the secret of all art is to be found in self-forgetfulness. And we know that this state of grace is not achieved in the pursuit of pleasure. The hedonists have their reward, but they are in bondage to loveliness, while the artist is free in beauty. So, that seemed like an interesting ideal.
1: That is really interesting. Um, Especially that idea of loveliness as being something that isn't something that's as pure as beauty.
2: Right, yeah. Right, yeah, it's an interesting distinction, right?
1: Oh, yeah, we'd never have guessed that.
2: And I wonder too. I mean, I had come across a word, um the word sundara, which is a Sanskrit word for uh the, I guess uh, like a rough translation would be beauty mixed with with glory.
1: And it's and it's what? Okay. Uh
2: sundara? Sundara. Wow. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um but it can be um revered as like an aspect of god. Um Well,
1: wow, this is an educational program today. It really is. <laughs> Thank you. I'm taking notes.
2: <laughs> no. no. But, <laughs> but uh but yeah so the just this idea that um i guess that would be a link too between art and spirituality and nature for me is like that just having something simple like that concept um and having that principle sort of out in front of me so no matter what i'm writing um maybe having that as a compass point you know and so i think that's what Kumaraswamy might be getting at with that notion of beauty something um like a transcendental notion of beauty versus um something glamorous or lovely. Yes. Um so and uh I think 'cause I did I did teach I mentioned this earlier, teach intro to creative writing at some point. And one of the things I thought about after I taught that class was that um, you know, any student starting off writing a poem or a short story or creative nonfiction or whatever, um, they're dealing with like a higher level than of beauty just in their their trials and errors and failures and successes than most of what we see a lot of times in our culture, right I mean like we we have a lot of loveliness going on like visually and, and textually and stuff like that
1: and and for that your your meaning of the world and something that's the pleasure now is that what yeah, you're using the yeah
2: word or 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 just yeah, yeah, okay. just like things that like i I thought it would be interesting to ask students like their concepts of beauty, you know because this does overlap with art making, yes. and probably a lot that would come to mind would be um. You know, think like popular notions or popular people or whatever.
1: Is that what you found? Is that what um, kind of emerged? Was I'm saying something...
2: I didn't. I didn't actually ever do this with them, but that was my oh. sort of like regret from teaching 223 because it, it seemed rather empowering or inspiring to think that um, these students just starting off are um, are sort of wielding beauty in 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 a, in a, a more influential way than than and, they might even and why anticipate. Why do you think videos. that?
1: Like why why? I, oh,
2: just by just by trying to, to work with poetry and fiction, just by trying to work with art at all and, yes. and making themselves open to that or vulnerable or receptive. Or whatever. Like
1: that innocence when you're at beginning.
2: Yeah. Or just any day that you sit down to write, even if it's not an innocence. So
1: even so even like the, the, even us, the Haggard yeah. ones. Yeah. OK, well, um, <laughs> you're listening right now <laughs> to Sorry, w- WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We'll be right back. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. listening, you're listening to The Living Writers Show. And I'm going to use repetition because we've just been listening to a chant, (laughs) and and so I'm thinking that's oh that's also infusing your work because I do see maybe you'll read a poem, Sean, um, that that shows some of the the repetition and that might be from from um, sure. So so if you're just tuning in, you're you're listening to the Living Writers Show, and today's guest um, guest star is Sean Norton, uh, poet Sean Norton. and what, can you tell us a little bit about what we just heard, Sean? Because you brought that in.
2: I okay, yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually uh, a song, a chant that was written by the Nobel uh, Prize winner from, I think it's 1911, I'm not totally sure, uh, Rabindranath Tagore, who who lived in uh, Calcutta and, and um, was a poet and fiction writer and playwright and uh, songwriter, chant writer. And um, so that was... Um, some monks of the self-realization fellowship chanting an English translation of Tagore's chant. And the English title was who is in my temple. So have um, you
1: ever chanted that in, in its, in its original or is it,
2: no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I did, I did try to take Bengali, um, which, uh, yes. And, uh, that was a wonderful experience. Um, but I didn't, uh, stick with it. So no, I never did get to, uh, chant that in the original Bengali. I think it's written in Bengali versus Sanskrit.
1: Well, if you can't if you can't chant it for us, can you say anything in Bengali? I don't know. I'm like trying to throw the gauntlet down.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> what can you say? I can't remember. You know, I can't... Um, hmm. Mishti is uh, sweets. That's. I have a big sweet tooth, so I remember that.
1: Mishti. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. That's that's all I need. Good. Uh, Good. That's and, and all I can this, provide. <laughs> <is> this, <laughs> is this, was this chant... Um, has it had... Um, does it have a, a, a sort of a, a meaningful place in your your practice, or? Well,
2: I like it very much, um, so yeah. Therefore, it does. Um, you know, and I actually did I did use the the simile for from the end, darkness like a dark bird flies away, um, as an example of an incredibly uh, simple um, construction with with a lot of um, uh, uh, power and persuasion to it. When I did teach creative writing, yes, that that you know this idea of I mean, it can be applied to many things, but this idea of um, many forms of darkness flying away and and sort of transformed into that bird. Um, So, hmm. I guess more bird transformation yes, the, going the on. The lone egret, and yeah.
1: the, and you know from the last from the last poem, uh, Sean, that you read, I, I wanted to just point out briefly the um, the the coexistence of these these two lines where you said um, half of the human exists outside of this world, right? And then I'm sober but a little sick. It was really a, really huh. a, a beautiful coexistence. I thought of these these um, these ideas, especially. Like the strangeness of half of the human exists outside of this world. Right, yeah. it's really lovely, but I mean it in a, the lovely and the good sense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now that I've totally bashed the word, I know lovely.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have to totally revamp my no my and and maybe I'll knock out totally while I'm at it while I'm in the revamping.
2: Well, you mode. can get up on that and yeah,
1: I will get up on that. Um, um, but and also, can we talk briefly about what you like? We both seem to have brought in a photo for this this um, <laughs> we did yeah. studio time. Um, um, we can we talk a bit about sure
2: the, yeah I brought I brought in a small photo of. Um, the Indian Saint, Paramahansa Yogananda, whose teachings on yoga I practice. And you brought in a black and white photo of a cool, um, I think it's stuffed. It's taxidermy of some sort. Um, a two-headed turtle. That's true. Which I, I love the combination of these these uh these things on the table um
1: and completely we didn't know we just brought it. no no we just yeah we both thought we
2: thought it would be good to have something uh comforting on the table
1: (laughs) (laughs) some people's comfort is is different than others or or the same yeah who knows but
2: um and um which is interesting because i did i did try to write a poem once about a two-headed calf in oregon because i met a friend of mine at uh caro's i think restaurant like a diner on the highway somewhere outside of eugene oregon when i was going to school there and he sort of mysteriously pulled out of his pocket this crumpled up black and white photo of a two-headed calf that he had gotten from some newspaper clipping and we drove it became like a spiritual quest of some sorts you know like i remember driving to i still haven't been able to get it into a poem but i remember driving uh, out to the small town where supposedly this two-headed calf was in the window of a butcher shop and um,
1: oh so already dead. then. already dead. Yeah. It was okay. it was it was sort Not of Not
2: frolicking. No, no, no. No. That would be <laughs> torture cuz it could see its fate twice I suppose. But um <laughs> but uh yeah, so that was that was what was going on. And um I remember on the drive that there was like a, a double rainbow that it, because it rains a lot in in Oregon. So I still have wow. s- put to use that um that that juxtaposition. Well
1: now you've thrown it out into the the radio waves so it could be Maybe, maybe you can just say, if anyone can do it, right? Yeah, <laughs> please email <Enjoy>. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll team up exactly. like a two headed turtle <laughs>
2: and get it done. Uh,
1: so, so Sean, will you read us, <laughs> will you read us another poem then?
2: Right. Well, yeah. or, I mean, or, yeah. or, or we could, or so?
1: we could keep talking about the duplicity of, of nature. and. Yeah, we could. That, that's a pretty
2: deep subject. Um, it's, it's true. Yeah, it really is. Um, <laughs> well, I could re- I'll read this poem, and we'll see if that poem captures any of that as well. Um, and amen. Then, and, <laughs> amen, brother. And then we can get back to uh, various images. Um, so uh, this poem is called Eruption. Uh, I love this one. Thank you. Thank you, T. And, um, uh, and it's um, the title I originally got from, there's a solo on the first Van Helen album. Uh, it's a guitar solo entitled Eruption. Eruption Eddie Van Halen is a soul In the wide calypso night Something goes mad at the edge of the trees An electric bulb bumped into Makes the leaves shake through Though they are still Eddie Van Halen is a doused soul Result of the whiplash of time He has swam in the ridiculous click track of love Eddie Van Halen is a mechanical being Near Beijing, street kids huddling near steam vents A video multicast when a finger presses green as mind thinks vitamin need. The video is from California where they are not sure if Beijing has a street kid problem. Maybe Rio. Maybe Eddie Van Halen has a hard time keeping it straight. Speculation. Mockery. Small theater presumed out of the intellection. Eddie Van Halen's soul is deafening. Why would I waste your time with it if it were not important? It is his to do with as he wishes. His Eddie Van Halen.
1: Thank you. That's such a a great proclamation at the end too, like a really, um, like self-forgetting on the the part of the speaker and right, a, and yeah. a giving of the self back to the the possessor of self or something. Right.
2: I totally didn't expect that. That's where I would end up. I mean, as as it should be with poems, I didn't expect that's where I was going to end up. Sort of. Um. In some ways defending, you know, not only Eddie Van Halen, but, um, (laughs) which I'll do any day of the week, but, um, (laughs) of course, course. and now he's on tour again. Um, but, uh, but sort of, uh, yeah, defending the self in some ways, right? Like life is trial and error. Life is, um, is whatever it is. And then, you know, it's, it's free will and it's yours to do with it as you wish. Um, Yeah. The freedom there. Uh, as we're all mixed up like you said in uh, the duplicity of the world and uh and whatnot. Um, and
1: and it is sort of like um also it's it's kind of like a like a f- like a flying away. It's it's similar it's, right. it's similar. Like it seems to be something that right. you're very concerned with. Like that. That's the a good point. Me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think I mean a really, really close friend of mine said the two thousand seven was the year of no regrets. And so um I uh, I tried to, it's weird because the poems I'm working on this year, I think in some ways have to do with, um, and, and last year as well, um, have to do with damage and like uh, error and, and failure in some ways, but also have to do with trying to balance that with how to get uh, the mind and the speaker and the whole self, I guess, to um, a level of not regretting anything. Right. so there's a there's there's like a level of um that might be the the line i'm trying to walk in some of these poems
1: and also because there's the presence then of the the soul and there's mm-hmm. there's something that has to be true about that where there isn't there is there like there is a part of that soul that isn't regret that right isn't. yeah so that's a that right we have to know that that's part of and the that's truth what, too or the reality of being
2: exactly yeah and i think that's what i was getting at in the other poem with the idea of like half of the human exists outside of this world it's like that idea that um and certainly this is not a new idea coming from me this is you know a really old idea that i didn't it didn't originate with me in any way um but the,
1: maybe from your catholic upbringing
2: no no, no 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 i mean i mean this in a in a non-dogmatic way <laughs> oh, okay. That this is like a you know this is a idea consonant with um many different old uh, philosophies or whatever traditions, but, um, that, you know, the soul, if it exists really doesn't do anything wrong. It, uh, you know, it's sort of, we as involved in the world sort of go through these, you know, ups and downs and whatever, but, um, the soul isn't active in that way. You know, we're sort of playing these parts, but, um, it's always good to know that everything you think you did wrong, that part of you didn't actually do, you know, or, um, wasn't involved in that pain or was you know was sort of beyond that level of suffering or trial and error i guess um so and then that's, that's very hopeful it is it is it was really inspiring for me to to hear that said or to read that i forget which happened first but um it was definitely hopeful you know and um I, it probably is what led me to wake up one morning and just and be harping on the word unmanifest like it seemed like
1: it's I didn't a, know this happened. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs>
2: se- it seems like a kind of a dry word, but um, it's a it's a deeply moving word if you think of it in that terms. You know? Unmanifest. Yeah, like something part of you is is not doesn't have to deal with this whole world that we're dealing with, or doesn't have to deal with all the uh, all the pain of it, or or even the excitement of it. You know, it's um, it's calm. So, and then I think that was flowing in the back of my mind all the way up until. Uh, writing about that canoe trip and the bird so yeah i don't know i'm doing a, a long back history on these poems but that was my eddie van halen poem everybody
1: thank yes and and it's um it's very appropriate that it's um written uh written <laughs> <You, laughs> that you wrote it right before we went on the air right. wrote a radio station no you it's obviously um it's included in the, ol, in it's the, in the uh, yeah review. it's in
2: the oleander review the new oleander review and i was totally honored for to get the email from Sarah Sallis saying that she would take that and another poem. So,
1: and would you mind reading the other poem too? Because I think then maybe we'll we'll go to the break after that. Poem sure thing. And yeah. Then, and then we'll come, we'll come back.
2: Okay. Yeah. The the um the other poem has a long title and it's a short poem. And the title is "Stage Directions for Us Who Are Two Minutes Too Late to Make the Chinese Scholars Rocks Exhibit in the Park," entitled "Contemplation," two weeks before one of us dies. It's dark. Birds come up. We've been racing uphill.
1: Thank you, Sean. No promptie. Um, we'll go we'll We'll take a break, a short break, and we'll be right back with the Living Writers Show and Sean Norton. Listening to the Living Writers Show. My name is T Hetzel, and today we're we're here with Sean Norton. Um, Sean, Hello. so you have a hi. <laughs> so you have a, a a translation of the chant we just heard. Then,
2: well, yeah. You asked me to bring in some music, and so um, thank you for doing you, so. You, you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, and I brought that in, and I realized I had no idea what it said. So um, so I Googled it. Um, today. Today, yes. <laughs> This was on not my, done at work. I was going to say it was, it was on all in your lunch break. Clearly on my 15 minute break <laughs> at work. Um, and so the, the text comes from the Aisha Upanishad, which is an Indian scripture. And it's a chant that comes at the end of that text. Um, and the translation I found was, um, that pure consciousness is full, perfect. This, the manifest universe of matter, of names and forms is full. This fullness has been projected from that fullness when this fullness merges into that fullness all that remains is fullness i thought that was quite beautiful um it is and uh yeah so interpolation of of i guess again the spiritual world into the material natural world or something like that yeah
1: yes and well well flowing from that could we could we hear another one of your your poems uh, sure too okay thank uh, you <laughs>
2: This poem is called um, A Chant for the Northern Lights. There is the principle and the product. There is the apprehension and the apprehended objects. Someone asked how the display worked, but I was adamant that I didn't want to know things but understand them, so I said it was the flushed palm of God when it was really my memory of parts of a Saturday night, an evening where we careened down the dark highway headed back to college with my father singing Gregorian chants and the northern lights improvising a large, blushed face. I took the wheel from the passenger seat so my father could laugh. Yellowing light from the desk lamp, Orion rising on his side. Morning will be a man sleepwalking into war. I am the man. This is my lamp, my war. This is my walk. With eyes closed, the stars come loose, unhinged from what I selected. With eyes closed, bullets cut Cassiopeia into the wall, part of the Big Dipper obscured by cataracts, evasion. Delight entertaining a scene that may or may not have mountains, sacred rivers, or murder in the capital, a festival to follow it. The buckshot of lights from the universe's fleeing pickup implied either the narrative arc of a Gregorian chant or of Job. My eyes cloud over and I can't see things the way they are.
1: Thank you, Sean. That's that's No problem T. That's lovely. And it's interesting because I think it it sort of it goes back to not only that you're using in the title a I um, chant for the Northern Lights, but right. But also that idea of how you said um, the composing on the piano is having you yeah. re-envision the the movement within the poem, and I could see there you breaking yeah, away yeah. and the right. Northern Lights to the lamp and to the war to the ma- the man, and I. Yeah, right. That's really.
2: Yeah, I think I wanted to push. I wanted to push narrative far enough and memory and poems far enough that it could just hold together, you know, and and also um, it's interesting because I mean. There's things that hold the poem together that I had to add in as I revised. But a lot of the um like the rhetoric and sort of narrative shifts um were there in early drafts and it seems more and more as I write that you have to figure out the things that you can put on autopilot and the things that you can't, you know. Almost like um like advice you'd give to a student writing an essay and they want you know they tell you in your office hours that they'll about what they're intending to write but it's not in the paper yet. So you have to figure out those things that you have to go in and to darken the lines, as it were, um, of the piece. Um, which is something that I took as advice directly from my piano teacher, where I would sort of record improvised stuff, and then we would figure out um, the structure of it and how to develop it into something that was actually a composed thing. So, um, and,
1: and, and that was like the darkening of the lines. That's
2: the darkening like that. of the lines, okay. yeah. So, I mean, some parts of the poem um, that I added... That sorts that would ground a reader, ground a listener. Um,
1: could could you give? Can you give us an example yeah, of that from um, that poem, or is that? Yeah,
2: like I think uh, it it opened up always the same way, sort of moving into this, um, you know, through sort of interwoven thoughts, um, and would switch narratively to be in the past and the present. Um, but these these sort of declarations of "I am this man," "This is my lab," that sort of thing, that places one in a body and places one in a room. Um, I needed to add. And I need, I need, I think I definitely needed that, um, the force behind the voice of that, you know, so it wouldn't just be, um,
1: It's the midpoint of the poem right, on, yeah. on the page, right. like visually. Okay. So it
2: almost, I mean, so the entrance of that almost functions like a turn in a sonnet or something. Yeah. Um, but the way it comes in here is more of an, uh, hopefully not so much of an intrusion, but a clarification so that, so that the different disparate parts could function together around the, um. I don't know what I'm going for, but like around, <laughs> around the nucleus of the, of the no, that's what of, I was picturing too. Like yeah. Right? Yeah, so. the,
1: the nucleus, and that. Um, it also actually, um, well, it reminds me of uh, this question I wanted to ask you, and I don't even know if it's something that is easy easy to articulate. But I was wondering about. <laughs> so great build up right <laughs> johnny on the spot right. um but thinking versus feeling in a poem mm-hmm. are you aware of of that like the movement or the presence of thought versus the presence of of um, um i don't know feeling or articulated feeling
2: right um yeah i think i'm intuitively aware of it you know, um, like I'm aware, I'm aware and I'm and I'm consciously aware that you can't just sit down and sort of write out your thoughts and have that function as a good poem you know, Ovid has this great and I'm going to totally misquote it but like the opening of the Metamorphosis is something about I'm going to um, sing of bodies change to different forms, you know and so there's that conception I think that I took to when I first read that I took that to to mean that every poem in a way is a body transforming into a different form and um so there's that concept going on so that's like a thought concept i have when i sit down to write um so for that to happen there has to be um uh, sort of a, comp- a sort of a unity of thought and feeling for some reason i don't know, i'm not really articulating this way you're right that it's, it's difficult <laughs> to, <laughs> to fly off the no, cuff on done, this one but no no you're but done. always dodge behind ovid that was uh
1: <laughs> A good rule of thumb. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm gonna um, have to read of it then. <laughs>
2: or at least the first poem.
1: <laughs> I know how terrible to admit though. Um that yeah, I've only read pieces of it. But that's beautiful. No, I really, really yeah,
2: and so I mean I think well, I mean, again, there's there's this there's this way in art um that is is involved with uh, interior life and and is mimicking the fact that um we're all you know, that, that we're, we're all in life trying to look for a sort of type of balance between thought and feeling, maybe, you know. Would,
1: uh, would that say, would you say that that's part of like, uh, I don't know, a poetic manifesto that you would have? Yeah,
2: sure. Yes, indeed. That's exactly part of it. Um, are, are there any other parts
1: to it? <laughs> it's
2: a rolling manifesto um no i don't i think that's it for now <laughs> or any
1: advice like you know for example mm-hmm. i don't know we were talking about like this uh like a book tour if you're gonna have a book sure tour. yeah
2: go by airstream i think that's my <laughs> advice travel in style you know
1: and and there's even some new new um 2008 there plans. are it doesn't are, have to be just a, a the glory of the past no you know? but
2: you can as i was looking at um airstream.com today <laughs> whose motto motto by the way is see more do more live more which hence, that can be a poetic manifesto. I think you know what you're right, T. You led me right into that, and I think that's totally true. Um, and uh, well, you know, you could go for many of the new 2008 models, to the Airstream, um, but they still do have the classic model, which is called the Classic.
1: Which is called the, well, that's mm-hmm. good. Then you can't make a mistake, then.
2: Right, you can't. <laughs> Not with the Airstream, but your the Airstream takes no responsibility for. Other mistakes that you can make, I suppose. It's on the shiny tour. though. It's shiny. It is. Sleek. It is. It really is. It's an impressive book tour mobile, or any type of um, living environment, really.
1: In a current, your current project, like, would you say it's like it's working on these some of the poems that we've heard and the ones that it are, is.
2: It is. It is. Yeah. I'm trying to compile a second manuscript, and um, and these poems are part of it.
1: Do you think there'll be a companion? Will it be any like? Like a CD with piano on it composing or, or That's not a, something
2: that's not something that I've considered, no. Um so I've no idea. But uh But who knows? But who knows, right? Um and uh um for a while uh I had that, that <laughs> excuse me. That program Garage Band for the computer. Um and uh and but my computer's old so it can only record things for like thirty seconds. So I was recording very um short um cryptic pieces of music that I was thinking would go well with incredibly short film. So I, you know, correspond. Oh,
1: maybe this is a moment to even say hats off to Charlie Chaplin, too. Yeah, yeah. Kind of an influencer. True, that is true. Yeah,
2: yeah. Definitely a hero. Definitely a hero. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Why
1: was I being, you know, just get right to it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) An idol, as as it were. Um, (laughs) Why
1: didn't we bring a picture of him? I know. next, Next time. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Um, well, well, thank you so much for being here today. No it was, it was wonderful.
2: I'm a huge fan of the show, so I was really happy to come on.
1: Thanks. Uh, it's too kind of you to say. No, it's the truth. I'll buy you another water after the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Excellent. I'm thirsty.
1: Um, and so we and we did mention um, some poems at uh, like the the Seattle poem about the the whale. That's correct. Bus. The, yeah. bus, the bus turning right. into a whale. Yeah. So, um, but that's in Sean's book. Bad with Faces. So you could pick that. You could go and get the, you know, you could read that. So I didn't mean to tantalize everyone with no, that yeah. and then not. Um,
2: Please go out and read that. So,
1: so yes, Bad with Faces and then, um, and also Oleander Review. Um, that's new. And we should also out. plug
2: um, from Red Morning Press.
1: Yes. Uh, Jason Breedle, yeah. uh, a poet who was on earlier in the summer, a good friend uh, of Sean Norton, Um and and me, okay, good friend. Now it's like a good old boy network or something <laughs> here, isn't it? But anyway, it's uh, Jason Breedle will be in town um, around October fifth, I think, to October read it at Shaman 4th Drum, uh, October. Shaman Drum okay. at seven p.m. Yeah, fourth at seven p.m. And his book is Pain Fantasy, and that is Red Morning Press. Um, Just
2: came out this week.
1: Yes it's very exciting it's a must get (laughs) fresh poems fresh poems (laughs) Um, thanks to our engineer Jesse Johnston Um, thank you for listening Ann Arbor thanks for streaming in Seattle Chicago and Bahamas Circle and Rochester uh, and Rochester any more shout shout (laughs) outs no I'm good (laughs) okay Um, this is the Living Writers Show until next time thanks Sean
2: thanks (laughs) Gene
0: Mrs. Valvine, you wanted to see me? Yes, Jason, sit down. It's your guidance counselor, I'm here to help you transition from middle school to high school. I've been looking through your records to see what might be the best fit for your skills and interests. I see from your grade average that college prep is probably not going to work out for you. Uh-huh. Maybe vocational school? It says here that you've attacked your shop teacher with a wood-burning tool. He gave me a D on my birdhouse on a stick. I see. Perhaps the Space and Aeronautical Academy. Oh, I do like to get high. Maybe that. There's culinary art school. Do you like cooking? I like burning things. Do they have a garage? Or some cats? Oh, Jason, I'm afraid there's only one option for a student like you. You're going to have to go to rock and roll high school. Cool. Rock, rock,
2: rock.
0: academic life not going the way you hoped? Maybe you need a transfer to Rock and Roll High School. WCBN Night at the Movies can help you make the grade. Tuesday, September 11th at Live at PJ's on the corner of First and Huron is the place to matriculate. Your instructors are the Ramones and everyone is guaranteed to pass. Woo-hoo! It's better than detention. You can drink and smoke. <coughs> Doors open at 9. The trouble starts at 10. It's free. It's free. No spitballs, please.
1: This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, the 5th of September, 2007. From KPFK in LA, I'm Ara Bogado. Progressive members of Congress introduce legislation to cut funding for Iraqi security forces, just the latest move to bring an end to the war. We'll hear from Nepal, where authorities have made several arrests in connection with this week's bombings. And human rights activists press the Guatemalan government to investigate and bring an end to a string of political murders in the lead-up to Sunday's general election. Those stories and more after the headlines. I'm Sharon Young with today's headlines. German authorities claim to have foiled a major terror plot that would have targeted facilities frequented by U.S. military.